This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Military murder is an independent project and is not endorsed by the Department of Defense or any military component. The views expressed are those of the host. The content of this podcast is not meant to be legal or medical advice. Warning, this episode contains graphic details of murder and is not suitable for young listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is Military Murder, a show where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. All right, troops, I want to take a minute to say thank you to everyone who left me a review in the last week or so. A week ago, we turned four years old. Yes, can you believe it? Military Murder Podcast has been produced for four years now, and it's insane. In those four years, my life has transformed tremendously, and I feel so blessed to be able to keep doing this show for you. When I first started the show back in 2019, I figured I would be retelling stories from years prior, but sadly, there are new cases almost on a weekly basis. Just last week, a family of four was found deceased at Fort Stewart, and we still don't know what happened. A few weeks before that, a former airman allegedly killed his wife and fled, and he's still on the run. These cases keep taking place before our eyes. And because of that, I am still here and I will keep warning. I will keep telling these stories. Because while hindsight is 2020, if telling these stories will help one would-be victim get out before it is too late, I feel like my job is done. With that, today's story is an ongoing case. It has not been through the court system yet but I wanted to bring it to you today to raise awareness of what a narcissist might look like and ultimately how a narcissist might try to convince you to return back to them simply by using your belief system. This is just a reminder that since this case is still ongoing, all persons are innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Trigger warning, I will be discussing a case that involves domestic violence against both a spouse and a child and there's also mention of violence towards an animal. Join me today as I tell you the story of Katie Samantha Bonick. Now, let's dig in. On Friday, September 30th, 2022, at roughly 7.20 a.m., the Hendry County Sheriff received a knock on his front door. When he opened it, it was a neighbor. She wanted to share a concern with him. This unnamed neighbor told Sheriff Steve Winton that her good friend Katie Bonick had dropped off her two young kids with her the night prior. It was about 9 p.m. The kids were not supposed to spend the night. Katie just wanted to drop off the kids for a while while she went to her ex-husband's house to retrieve a few items. The neighbor slash friend grew concerned because Katie never returned to pick up her kids. And not only that, but she wasn't answering or returning any phone calls, which was completely out of character. Sheriff Witten also learned that Katie and her ex-husband, Ian Bonick, had a tumultuous relationship. A year prior, there was an allegation of abuse between Ian and one of the children. And prior to that, there had been an allegation of domestic violence between Ian and Katie. Sheriff Witten took no chances. 
So he immediately called in this neighbor's concern and asked them to send some officers over to Ian's house to check on the situation. Shortly after this, officers arrived at Ian's house located at 5990 Hidden Hammock Drive in Fort Denod, Florida. Immediately, they saw Katie's vehicle parked in Ian's driveway, and when officers walked up to the car, they saw presumably Katie's purse on the seat in the car. At this point, they might have thought that they would soon make contact with Katie and get her in contact with her friend slash babysitter, and boom, they would be on their way. They walked up to Ian's house and knocked, but no one answered. Seeing no answer, they drove off and figured they would just come back a little bit later. When law enforcement arrived, you know, that doesn't say how long after, but they noticed that Katie's car was no longer parked in the driveway. It was now parked in the street. They went up to Ian's house again and made contact with Ian. They told him they were looking for Katie and asked to go inside to check out the situation. But Ian declined. He didn't say much either at this point. The situation seemed fishy enough, and due to the domestic violence issues from the past, law enforcement quickly acted to obtain a search warrant for inside Ian's home. Of course, they would be looking for Katie. By 1 p.m., law enforcement showed up with a no-kidding signed search warrant, and they entered Ian's home. Immediately, they were concerned as they saw signs of a struggle that had clearly not been cleaned up. There was no visible body or blood, but from the garage to the foyer, there was a hallway that had clearly seen better days. There was like a hole in the wall. A mirror appeared to have been ripped off the wall or had fallen off or something like that. Inside the home, authorities found multiple weapons and they found gun silencers, which apparently have to be registered. Now that authorities had seen the house in a disarray, they returned to the judge for a supplemental or additional warrant to look for more evidence. Remember, initially they were searching for Katie. They were searching for an adult. So they would probably be opening closet doors, looking under beds, that type of stuff. They wouldn't be looking into like little tiny compartments where you can't fit an adult human. But now they found these gun silencers. So they were concerned that additional crimes were taking place in the home. So they needed to be able to search small areas of the home where Ian could be hiding evidence of other crimes. At the same time that they were executing this second warrant, they brought Ian down to the station for questioning. So they read him his Miranda rights and Ian waived his rights and spoke with authorities. Initially, when they asked Ian about Katie and if he had been in contact with her, he revealed that the day prior, Katie contacted him to tell him she needed gas, presumably gas money for her car. She arrived at his house later that night where an argument ensued about another woman. Ian told investigators that he really wasn't in the mood to argue with his ex-wife and the mother of his two young children. So he told authorities he went to sleep and when he woke up in the morning, Katie was gone, but her car was still in the driveway. He did admit to moving the vehicle, but we don't know why. While Ian was being interviewed, law enforcement was at his house and they were using luminol to determine if there was blood at the home or in his car that could be indicative that someone cleaned up some blood. In the garage, they sprayed luminol in Ian's car, and Ian's trunk lit up blue with the luminol, revealing there was blood. Authorities sprayed luminol in various parts of the home, and again, more signs of a cleanup. Meanwhile, the investigators interviewing Ian back at the station, they were getting this information from the search team, and so they asked Ian. They asked him why there would be blood in his trunk. Blood in the trunk? Ian said there shouldn't be blood there, but said if there was blood, it might be from groceries. Mm-hmm. When authorities asked Ian about blood inside the home in the hallway, Ian said he might have gotten hurt when the wall mirror accidentally fell off the wall. Now, when they asked Ian about Katie again, 
it appeared that Ian kind of scoffed and said, well, there's no body. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy, and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which, listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T, for 15% off. Enjoy, and when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. Katie Samantha McKinney was born in Louisville, Kentucky in June 1983. She grew up in Indiana, and that's where she was in the 2010s when she decided to give online dating a shot. I mean, who doesn't find it hard to date in this day and age, right? Katie was really into her faith, and she wanted to find a good, God-loving guy. And so she decided to try to find love on ChristianMingle.com. And this is where she found a hunk by the name of Ian Christopher Bonick. Ian is buff. He's a former Marine, a fitness competitor. And just from looking at his picture, you can tell he probably spends a lot of hours a day at the gym. He likely spends a lot of money on supplements. And honestly, he probably eats a good amount of protein in one single day. Katie thought he was handsome and they struck up a relationship. Katie's mom was not thrilled by this relationship, however, because online dating is scary. And how do you really know someone you just met online, right? After learning about her new boo, Carolyn McKinney, Katie's mom, decided to do some internet sleuthing on Ian. And wouldn't you know it, when she looked him up, she saw a ton of arrest records. What in the world? Carolyn didn't want her daughter to know that she had been stalking her new boo, but Carolyn wanted to know what the hell was up with this guy. So Carolyn told a news outlet that she contacted Ian personally, without Katie knowing, of course, and she asked him to meet her. Ian did, and Carolyn confronted him about all the arrest records she saw. Ian didn't seem phased by the confrontation, and he welcomed the opportunity to tell his future mother-in-law that all the arrests had been unsubstantiated and all of the domestic-related charges had been dropped. He basically told Carolyn that because he was a big buff guy, Every time one of his ex-girlfriends wrongfully called the cops on him, they lied on him and said he got physical with them 
and the cops believed simply because of his size. But because all them women were a bunch of liars, the charges were ultimately dropped and the records were expunged. And because the records were expunged, and most people think expunged means it didn't happen, Carolyn just had to kind of take Ian's word for it. And plus, Carolyn knew that she raised Katie to be tough as nails, and Katie was tough as nails, and she was not the type of woman to take crap from a man. So Carolyn dropped the issue and didn't tell Katie anything. In fact, she figured Ian did seem like a nice enough guy. Katie and Ian went on to have two kids. One baby was born in 2016. The other was born in 2017. And then soon, I don't know at what point, Katie and Ian moved from Indiana to Florida. Carolyn was not too keen on Katie moving to an entirely different state, but Katie left anyway. And it was when Katie left Indiana that everyone in her family really began to notice that Katie became more and more distant. You see, Katie would later reveal to at least one of her close cousins that once she left the state, Ian began to control everything she did. He controlled all her electronic devices and she wasn't allowed to make contact with the outside world. On occasions when Katie did make contact without Ian's permission, it has been said that she paid the price. I don't know what price that is, but I'm assuming that it will be revealed at trial. In any event, at one point, Carolyn told a news outlet that Ian spoke to Carolyn and he told her that he really thought it would be a great idea for her to retire early and go live with the family in Florida. He told Carolyn, listen, I was raised by my grandmother and I have very fond memories. I think it would be a great idea if grandma came to help out with the kids. Carolyn wasn't 100% sure she wanted to do that. So she told Ian that she was going to pray on it. Eventually, after some thoughtful prayer and thinking about it, Carolyn did leave her job and her life behind in Indiana for a chance to be reunited with her daughter and grandkids. But almost immediately, Carolyn began to regret her decision. She told a news outlet that everything in the house was just tense. But it all came to a head for her, at least, when the Bonnick family dog killed a chicken that had escaped from its chicken coop. When that happened, Carolyn recalled seeing a scary version of Ian. Ian was so upset that a dog killed the chicken that he tied the dog to a tree and then beat the dog with a stick. And he even went as far as beating the dog with the dead chicken. Carolyn was mortified, capital M mortified. Carolyn later told Katie about the dog beating incident, but Katie appeared to have just shrugged it off, commenting, oh, he's just being an idiot. Carolyn, though, was now on high alert. On the few occasions that Carolyn took an opportunity here and there to run some errands outside the home, Ian would become increasingly upset if she did not first ask his permission to leave. And then, on at least one occasion, Ian got upset with Carolyn and yelled at her. Carolyn had made up her mind. She felt in her spirit that Ian was capable of hurting her and she needed to get away. And just like that, one day, without saying goodbye to the grandkids or Ian, I'm assuming Carolyn gave her daughter a heads up, although I didn't read that in the article, but just like that, one day, Ian returned home and Carolyn had packed up her things and left. The article actually describes it as Carolyn escaping. Carolyn then moved in with her brother, who was a retired U.S. Marshal, and Carolyn began to rebuild her life that she had previously given up to help out her daughter. Eventually, Carolyn got a job, she bought a house, 
and she began to feel more calm after living in such a stressful situation. I didn't see a timeline with the dates that Carolyn lived with the Bonics, so I just wanted to put that out there. But in looking at the Hendry County, Florida public records, I did find that Katie and Ian were formally married in Key West, Florida on December 17th, 2019. A few days earlier, while technically still single, not married, Ian purchased the home that would become the marital home located in Fort Denard. And then it seems that things began to deteriorate after the marriage became formal. In late 2021, Katie called authorities to report that during an argument, Ian strangled her. Felony charges were brought against Ian, but then Katie told the prosecutor that she would not be participating in the case any longer, as her and Ian were in the process of reconciling. Apparently, he told her that he had found Jesus. The charges were then dropped. But a prosecutor wrote a note in the file saying that in 90% of similar cases, they would have proceeded, even with a non-participating victim. But they didn't. And then, in December of 2021, there was another incident. But this incident involved one of the children. There was an allegation of physical abuse. At that point, a judge granted an injunction for a year. As a result, Ian was not to have contact with his wife, His visits with his two kids would be supervised only. Katie and the kids got to stay at the house and Ian was supposed to turn in all of his weapons. And this seemed like a victory, right? Well, it was until February of 2022 when Katie requested the injunction, aka the restraining order, be lifted, citing again reconciliation. And with that request, the judge dissolved the restraining order. Now, it's unclear to me when the Bonics divorce was final. But from what I read, it appears that the following month in March of 2022, Ian and Katie were officially divorced. And sometime around this divorce, there was another incident where Ian allegedly kicked Katie in the back and threatened to kill her. Katie allegedly reported this incident and law enforcement requested an arrest warrant, but charges were never filed. And then, weeks before Katie's disappearance, Katie again requested a restraining order. It's unclear if it was an order of protection for her or the kids, but as reported by the Toronto Sun, the judge in the case denied Katie's request for a restraining order, citing concerns for the Bonnet kids. And Katie was advised by the judge in not so many words, to stop bickering with her ex-husband and to get along for the sake of the children. When you hear what happened to Katie, anyway, I'm sure that that judge is eating their words. Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. 
What I love about June's journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. As the search for Katie continued on Hidden Hammock Drive, authorities took Ian in and he was charged for having over a dozen unregistered gun silencers. He also had 15 vials of steroids in his home, which he admitted were his, and so he was charged with having a controlled substance in his possession. Having Ian behind bars was good for the investigation because they knew there was no way that he could continue to destroy evidence from behind bars. And as investigators were searching for Katie, they would make a gruesome discovery. On Ian's property, they found a 50-gallon drum and a burn pit. Authorities looked through the ashes in the burn pit, and that was when they discovered a human jawbone and an almost intact adult tooth. Testing would reveal that this was all that was left of Katie Bonick. Ian had allegedly killed Katie and was in the process of disposing of her remains by cremation when authorities showed up at his house on the morning of September 30th. Wow, just wow. Now, it's possible they may have found other remains, but that was all that was disclosed in the indictment. When the media got wind of what was going on, they, of course, made contact with neighbors. And Ian's next door neighbor recalled seeing Katie's car in the driveway when she disappeared. Remember, before the divorce, Katie and the kids used to live at that house with Ian. The neighbor also recalled seeing and smelling a burn pit coming from Ian's property. And when she saw that, she turned to her husband and said, who would have a fire going on at this time? In reflecting after the news broke that charred human remains were found at Ian's house, this neighbor couldn't believe what she was probably smelling during the fire. She was horrified. The media was all over this case in Florida, not only because of how shocking it was that a former Marine turned bodybuilder had performed his very own cremation at home, allegedly, but they were really interested in this case because of the history between Katie and Ian, you know, in the court system. And then what is sad is to learn that Katie was actually Ian's third wife. Yup, Ian had two entire wives before Katie. Anyway, the news press caught up with one of Ian's ex-wives and she had a lot to say. Sadly, when you look at what she said and compare it to what Carolyn said about Ian, it is strikingly similar. Sarah, one of Ian's ex-wives, shared that she met Ian when she was at Chuck E. Cheese with her kids. Ian was there with his kids, I'm assuming from a different relationship than Katie's, and Ian and Sarah struck up a conversation that then turned into a relationship. Sarah said that Ian was a dreamboat of a boyfriend. He was charming, handsome, great with the kids. The entire first year of the relationship was great. Then there was an incident. There was an incident where he physically assaulted one of the kids. Now, she doesn't elaborate on what the physical assault was, but Ian must have charmed his way back into her good graces because she ended up marrying the guy. And that's when she told the news outlet that it went downhill quickly. As soon as the marriage certificate was signed, Ian became controlling. He didn't want her to work. He wanted her to stay with the kids, but he also didn't give her access to the money. So if she wanted money, 
she had to ask him for it. If she wanted to leave the house, she had to ask Ian. She wasn't allowed to see or speak to family and friends because according to Ian, they didn't love her like he did. He told her he was the only one who truly cared for her. It was really a sad situation. And at the end of the day, lucky that Sarah and her kids got out alive. In my research, I came across an article in the Daily Beast where it discussed Ian and Katie's relationship. And sadly, not only had Katie's mother experienced Ian's highs and lows, which by the way, she referred to Ian as the Hulk. She literally said that she saw him go from nice to fuming in a matter of seconds. But there were other family members who witnessed Ian's rage. Katie's cousin, Annie Moore, told the Daily Beast that everyone knew Ian wasn't good eight years earlier when they first met him because he was self-centered and me, 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 me from the start. But Annie said, quote, this is something totally different. This is not a real thing that real humans do. It's really, really difficult to process that someone that you broke bread with and spent time with could do these things, end quote. Annie shared that Katie told her in confidence that Ian was a violent man their entire relationship, from dating to their engagement to their marriage. Katie also shared that Ian would quote Bible verses during his angry outburst. And Ian wasn't shy about being a violent a-hole when people were around. One time during a family gathering, he got so angry, he threw a sippy cup so hard that it broke a window. Annie told the Daily Beast that despite all of Ian's flaws, and he had many, Katie loved him and she wanted her family life to work out and she was willing to do whatever it took. But then at one point, enough was enough and that's when she left. Annie still can't believe that Katie was able to get out of the situation and somehow still suffer such an ill fate. She remembers that back in February after the court dropped the restraining order, you remember? Ian sent a mass text message to Katie's family, informing them all that he and Katie were getting back together and that it was no thanks to them. Annie was taken aback by the text message, but it seemed on par with Ian. While Ian was initially charged only for the gun and substance charges, in mid-October, they brought second-degree murder charges via information. But that all changed in December. On December 2nd, 2022, a few weeks after Katie's murder, the Hendry County prosecutor convened a grand jury, and the result was an indictment with three additional charges against Ian, in addition to the steroids and weapons violations. During a press conference, it was announced that Ian was charged with first-degree murder, abuse of a dead human body, and tampering with evidence. And then, a few short months after this announcement, it was revealed that the state of Florida would be seeking the death penalty against Ian Bonick. It's unclear what additional evidence, if any, was discovered to bring the prosecution to this decision, but I'm assuming it has something to do with premeditation. Clearly, no one just has a 50-gallon drum just sitting around at their house, I don't think. So maybe that has something to do with the decision. Before closing out my research for this case, I paid a visit to the online court docket to see what was going on in Ian's case. And as of this summer, Ian was finally appointed with an attorney who is death penalty qualified. The attorney's name is Neil McLaughlin. There was another qualified attorney appointed in October by the name of Kevin Shirley. I'm not sure if they're both still on the case, but Kevin Shirley was the last one listed. In the last several months, the defense has taken various depositions And most recently, the defense counsel is requesting additional discovery. 
specifically in the form of the body-worn cameras worn by first responders. I checked the court events tab and it says it is set for a management meeting at the end of January 2024. A court date has not yet been set. As for Ian, besides news reports indicating that Ian is a former Marine, I haven't been able to find any information about when or where he served. So I guess we'll just have to take his word for it. For those of you wondering about his fitness competition history, it does appear that the last time that Ian competed in the NPC was in 2020 at the 2020 NPC Masters National Championship. It does not appear that he placed, like he didn't get like a trophy, but a month earlier, he did take third place in men's classic physique at the NPC North American Championship. NPC, by the way, stands for National Physique Committee. Both Katie's mom, Carolyn, and her cousin, Annie, remember that all Katie wanted to be in life was a mom. And once she became a mom, she was damn good at it. She was very maternal. She would do anything for her kids. Katie is being remembered for being a beautiful person who most definitely didn't deserve what happened to her. In describing what Katie felt for Ian, Carolyn put it best. She said, Katie thought she could, quote, love Ian through his behavior and that one day he would change, end quote. Sadly, in cases like this, it is best to just let those people go. And I know that that is easier said than done. Carolyn, the grandma, is now responsible for raising her two grandkids, and she loves them to the moon and back. But Carolyn says, quote, I will love them with everything I have, but I am not her, end quote. If you or anyone you know is suffering from intimate partner violence, please seek help. The National Domestic Violence Hotline can be reached at 1-800-799-7233. If you don't want to call, check out their website. They have a lot of helpful resources. Remember that it is not enough to just get out of the situation, but it's a fact that one of the most vulnerable times for victims of domestic violence is when they leave and up to 18 months after. I read an article that put it like this. Quote, the statistics are that women in abusive relationships are about 500 more times at risk when they leave, end quote. I also read another statistic that states that around the holidays, but especially New Year's, is when there is an uptick in domestic violence incidents. So please, this holiday season, take care of yourself and watch out for your neighbors. I didn't want to put it in right now, but at the end, after you hear my daughter giggle, I am going to put in some more information about narcissistic personality disorder. So if you're interested in hearing about that and what the criteria are, please stick around till the end. All right, everyone, I will most definitely be keeping everyone updated when Ian's trial begins. So be sure that you're following me on social media where I normally share these things. If you want to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast or on TikTok at Military Margot. Also, there is a GoFundMe for Katie's kids, so I am going to link that in the show notes in case you wanted to donate there. My sources for this episode include various court records, including the criminal complaint, an injunction, an injunction dismissal, a marriage certificate, as well as a press conference held by the Hendy County Prosecutor in December of 2022. I also relied on articles in the Toronto Sun, News Press, New York Post, Daily Beast, WTHR, WLBT, Wink News, and Healthline. Military Murder is a Mama Margot production. This episode was produced in part by all of my Patreon and Apple Premium subscribers. 
If you're interested in becoming a Patreon, visit patreon.com slash military murder. And if you listen on Apple, you can subscribe through Apple premium subscription. The theme music was created by TyOps. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of. So remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next time. When I first started this episode, I discussed narcissism, and I wanted to wrap this episode up with discussing narcissistic personality disorder, or NPD. Many of us might have an idea of what a narcissist is, but NPD is an actual diagnosis in the DSM-5, which by the way, DSM stands for Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. There's actually nine criteria, and a person just needs to meet five of the nine of these criteria to be clinically diagnosed with NPD. So I don't know if the person in today's case, Ian, meets the criteria, but I wanted to tell you what those traits are so that you are aware that if someone you're dealing with exhibits these signs, there is nothing you can do to change them. They need to be diagnosed and treated by a professional. Okay, so here are the traits. Number one, they have a grandiose sense of self-importance. Number two, They're always caught up in their fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, ideal love. Number three, they believe they are special and unique. And because they are so special, they can only associate with other special or high status people. Number four, they need excessive admiration. Number five, they have a sense of entitlement. Number six, they exploit their relationships with others. Number seven, they lack empathy. Number eight, they often envy others or believe people envy them. Number nine, they demonstrate arrogant or haughty attitudes or behaviors. Now, I read an article that really pinpointed some of the signs that I saw in reading Carolyn's story and Sarah's description of Ian. Now, I am not a medical professional. These are just some of the things that I saw and some of the things that you might see in some of your significant others. An article in Healthline said that people with MPD are extremely charming at first. And we saw that when Sarah was describing her relationship with Ian and how they met at Chuck E. Cheese and how he was charming for a year. Okay, something else they said is that people with MPD might pick on you. And initially it might come off as teasing, but then over time it can turn into hurtful comments. The goal here in making these teasing comments that then turn into hurtful comments is for the person to lower your self-esteem so that you can rely on them more and rely on yourself less. Another trait that a lot of people with MPD have is that they like to gaslight people, which means that when you gaslight someone, you're making them question their own reality, right? Gabriella Cassell wrote for Healthline that some signs of gaslighting can include, you no longer feel like the person you used to be. You feel more anxious and less confident than you used to be. You often wonder if you're being too sensitive. You feel like everything you do is wrong. You always think it's your fault when things go wrong. You're often apologizing. You have a sense that something's wrong, but you aren't able to identify what it is. You often question whether your response to your partner is appropriate. You make excuses for your partner's behavior. And I thought those were interesting because I am sure that in Katie's relationship with Ian, 
he probably made her feel a lot of these, these different things, which is why she kept coming back to him. And even when she filed these reports with authorities, she would go back and say that she was reconciling with him. Finally, in this article, one of the last signs and one that people really need to be careful is this. When you show a narcissist that you're done with the relationship and you want out, they tend to lash out more than just in a regular relationship. And this is probably maybe what happened in this case. Also, because Ian was upset and he told this to the authorities when they were interviewing him, but he was upset that Katie had filed another restraining order against him. So anyway, these are just some things. I'm going to link the article in the show notes so that you can read the whole thing about narcissistic personality disorder. It is an actual diagnosis. It's not something that anybody can change outside of getting professional help. All right, that is all. I hope that you found this little section on MPD helpful. And of course, there is so much more information available online. And remember, you don't need a specific diagnosis. Maybe you know someone that meets four of the nine. It's just, I wanted you guys to know so that you can be careful and be weary that it's not you. Sometimes we think it's ourselves. We think, oh, it's just me, I'm overreacting. But when you look at it and you break it down into these nine criteria and you go deep into each individual, like one criteria at a time, you can see a lot of these characteristics and it's a little bit scary. But there's a lot of people that probably are very successful that have um, NPD, but you know, just wanted you guys to know. <laughs> 